Three Strands is growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Jesus. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, visit us at threestrands.church. All right, let's get rolling. As Stephanie said this morning, we are starting a brand new series called Slow Your Roll. You saw it from the video and the cards and everything we've been doing. But when, when I originally uh, planned to teach this series about a year ago, I had no idea that COVID-19 would occur. Uh, I also had no idea it would keep going and turn into like COVID-20, all right? Um, somebody told me that 19 had nothing to do with the year, I don't know. But um, So I thought seriously about replacing this entire series about busyness with something else because most of us have probably been less busy during these past eight months than we have in our entire lives due to this coronavirus. And so um, I thought about just you know, getting rid of this all together. But however, as life is slowly returning back to normal, I have found myself uh, starting to feel the busyness beginning to creep back in. Have you? I mean, so I just decided let's stick with this series uh, because even though our lives should have slowed down during that COVID outbreak, did they really? You know, did they really? And so uh, I called Dave several weeks ago and I kind of said, dude, should I even do this or should I just change it up? And, and I, he, had a, he sent me a text, and I, I want to share it with you. Here's, here's what he said. He said, you know, even when we were shut down, people still packed their lives full of landscaping, binge-watching shows, camping, etc. Somehow, even when everything stopped, people were still too busy for Jesus in their day. I think that's a good thing to confront people with. Even when we didn't have the excuse of work, school, movie theaters, malls, and restaurants to go to, many people still did not have time for God, and he certainly wasn't the priority of their days. And I agree. And that's why I continue. Let's just, let's just keep moving forward with this series. So, you know, I bet even this week, as you were talking with people and we asked that common question, how you doing, right? I guarantee uh, somebody responded to you or you responded to them with one of the two words, right? Oh, I'm tired or I'm busy, right? I mean, that's like the two common answers that we get. Sometimes it's both, right? I'm tired and busy. But that's what we get when we ask somebody how they're doing most of the time, the common response. So let's kick off this new series that we're calling Slow Our Roll. Um, let's learn how to slow down in life. You're going to hear this several times, but uh, Jesus was often busy, but he was never hurried. He always made time for people. And so let's take this series and learn how to follow his example. You know, I, I understand, I get it, that busyness is just a way of life for most of us. Even in rural America here in southeastern Kentucky, we're busy, you know, and I understand that if we're going to get the most out of our days, we need to stay active and keep going. You know, I stay organized using the calendar app on my phone. If you come up to me today and say, hey, can we get together sometime this week? The first thing I'm going to do is pull out my calendar app and I'm going to see what, when I would uh, be available to get together with you. Now, is that wrong? Not necessarily. But what does God have to say about our busyness? And that's what we're going to learn uh, during this series. Now, let, let me begin by saying that I realize, listen, I realize there are people who need to get more busy, right? I mean, they need some motivation to, to get off their rumps, to get off their tailgates, to look for a job and get active. I get that. 
But we're not talking about those people during this series. We're talking about the rest of us whose calendars are packed, uh, who have too much going on, and we feel overwhelmed most of the time. You know, for, for many of us, when someone shares how busy that they are with us, you know, how's it going? I'm busy, man. I got this, 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 this. We try to one-up them, don't we, when we respond. It's crazy. It's like they share with us how busy they are, and we're like, uh, you're not going to out-busy me, buddy. Listen to what I got going on, you know? And we start sharing what all we have going on. And so I realize we're going to be somewhat busy, but how can we get better at it? Because very seldom are we not busy. I mean, when's the last time that you told somebody that, you didn't have nothing going on. You weren't busy. Uh, you took a three-hour nap, you know. You went to bed early. You slept in. You had breakfast around 11 and told your friends, you know, I got all this extra time on my hands. I just don't, I don't know what to do with it. When's the last time you said that? Nobody says that. And so if most of us struggle with being busy or too busy, then how can we do it better? That's where we're going in this series. Because when it comes to being busy, guys, nothing seems to help us. You know, we can read books about how to simplify our lives. We, we have planners and alarms and calendars that organize the chaos, but nobody seems to be getting less busy. And so if that's the case, it's not more information that you and I need. It's not more scheduling. It's not more planning that we need, but maybe it would be a good idea just to slow down and ask the maker of our lives how to deal with our life, right? That's what we're going to do. I'm going to give us some principles that will help us the rest of our lives when it comes to being busy, if you and I will just slow down and apply them. I'm going to give us a few things that may change the way we think about our schedules without having to cancel everything. Doesn't that sound good? To change the way we think about rest. And so we're better when we get back to the busyness. To change the way that we deal with our families. And so they're not angry at us because we're so busy. That ever happened? And so uh, let, let me just tell you right up front as we get going that I need this series as much as anyone. I know Stephanie said she was really looking forward. I've been looking forward to this you know, too because I need it more than anybody. Sometimes when I'm planning out what I'm going to teach the next year, I just pray, God, show me the areas where I'm struggling. Put, put tension in my life where I'm weak and struggling. And this is one of the areas that popped up last year when I was praying through this. It's just, man, you're, you're so busy, you know? And so that's why I decided to, to do this. But I need it as much as anyone in the room because I have a, a tendency to be a little OCD. Dave called me out yesterday on it you know, obsessive compulsive disorder at times, which that's crazy. I, I don't call it that at all. I call it operation clean daily. That's OCD in my life, right? It's clean every day. That's what I do. So, but I've got the calendar on my phone with dots everywhere. And uh, I think it's wonderful. It helps keep me organized because I've got a lot going on. But listen, the problem is that not everyone else in my circle understands my calendar. And sometimes they mess it up, if I'm being honest. And, and I have to be really careful when something alters that calendar, not to make people feel less important than my to-do list. Jesus was often busy, but he was never hurried. He always made time for people. 
A few months ago, uh, the Starrett's and my family, we were on our way to Lake Cumberland to go fishing. We were trying to catch 31-inch, 19-pound striper bass. Um, has anybody ever caught one that big? Just raise your hand if you've ever caught one that that. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, anyway. But we were driving on our way there. And um, while we were driving, my daughter Abby calls and says that she had to pull over. She was on her way there, but she had to pull over because her car wasn't drivable. It, it's got something metal scraping the ground underneath, she said. And I said, that's because you drive like a race car driver up and down. The, no, I don't. No, I don't. I've never driven like that ever. Okay. But something was dragging the ground. It was metal. Can't drive it. Okay, now she's been around me long enough to know that I'm not a mechanic, okay? She knows I can't fix nothing, so I don't know if she was calling to have me like lay hands on it and pray over the car or what, but she called me, but thank God I had Chad in the car with me who can fix anything, okay? So we turned around, went to where she was on the side of the road, got in her car, drove it back home, and he fixed it. But by that time, it was too late to go fishing, and you know... When she called, my instincts were that we don't have time to fix this car right now. We, we've got fishing on the calendar tonight, right? I mean, nobody, nobody, nobody got time for that, right? Wasn't that that YouTube lady? Was that who that, yeah. Nobody got time for bronchitis, right? Nobody's got time for that. So listen, I need help in this area too, you know? And during this series, I'm going to share some principles that if we would just put them into practice... It will not only help our schedules, it will help our relationships with each other. And listen, most importantly, our relationship with God. And so let's jump in and talk about it. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, life is a race, right? Or uh, a rat race, I guess some people call it. Or life is not a sprint, it's a what? Marathon, right? It's a marathon. Life can sometimes feel like a NASCAR race, can it? I mean, it's fast-paced, it's the same circle, routine, over and over, lap after lap, day after day, and year after year. And uh, I recently heard uh, what NASCAR, NASCAR stands for, by the way, I never knew. Do any of you know what NASCAR stands for? Anybody know, for real? Nobody, really. Well, in Kentucky, you might know. Oh, anyway, I found out. It stands for non-athletic sports centered around rednecks. Did you know that? I didn't know. I just found out. That's impressive. But uh, I, I love NASCAR, but anyway. Sorry, I don't think that's true. Um, but life can sometimes feel kind of like that 1993 movie Groundhog Day. Anybody ever seen that one? Where, where they have the same thing day after day, over and over again. He keeps living the same day. Life sometimes feel like, feels like that. So, so let me give us a word that rhymes with race, like NASCAR, that kind of sums up what we're all dealing with when it comes to busyness. You ready? Here's the word. Chase, you want to take a guess at what it is? No, that's a good guess, though. Try again. It rhymes with race, but here it is. You ready, Chase? Oh, how about that? I thought you of all people would get that. Oh, too bad. Yeah, it rhymes with race. Here's the word. It's Chase. You and I, we chase things that we don't need, spending money that we don't have to impress people that we don't know. We, we chase after experiences. We chase after money. We chase after stuff, after degrees, after promotions and likes on social media, thinking that these things will fill us up. 
But the truth is, there's, listen, a God-shaped void inside each of us that's shaped like the letter J. And the only thing that can fill it is Jesus. It's kind of like that shape sorter toy pick you remember when you were a kid or maybe you bought this for your kids. Anybody ever bought that for their kid or had it, I guess, when you were little? I had one when I was little, and that was 1984. So, uh, yeah, you see that you got the star, the only the star shapes fitting in there, right? Only the triangles fitting in there. We can try as hard as we want to shove the circle in the, the triangle, but it's not going to fit. And that's what we do. We chase after all these things, trying to shove stuff where they doesn't go. But there's a J inside of us, and God's created that void. And only Jesus, the J, will fit in there, will fill it up. And you know, there are a lot of things we chase after because we're afraid. We're afraid of missing out, not experiencing something. We're afraid of not mattering. Excuse me, maybe you think all your friends on social media matter more than you do, which leads to the fear of falling behind. I'm not keeping up with everyone else. I'm not where I should be. I'm not where my dad was when he was my age or my friends or the people that I graduated with. And that leads to the fear of disappointing others. I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to let my kids down. I don't want to let my spouse down. And so what do we do? We chase. We chase. We're not racing anyone, but we are chasing to obtain something that we don't yet have that we want. Think about it. Think about it. The things you wanted so badly five years ago, you've probably already gotten them. But we don't enjoy them because you're too focused on the things you want five years from now. Right? I mean, you wanted that car so bad five years ago. And now that you've had it for a few years, you don't even enjoy it because you're already focused on the newer car that you want in a few years. So instead of the chase, what we need in our lives, doing, I used to be a poet and didn't know it, so we're kind of rhyming today, okay? What we need in our lives is this. We need space. We need space. In other words, we need margin. Look at this pic. <coughs> Seen a piece of paper that doesn't have margins? It's busy, isn't it? It's got words everywhere. And so we have margins to give us some space. And we need the same things in our lives. We need margin physically. We need margin emotionally. We need margin relationally. We need margin financially. And we need margin spiritually. When we're living our lives Pedal to the metal, going 24-7 all of the time. Listen, the smallest of things can throw us into the wall, like the NASCAR race. So what does that look like? What does it look like to be living on the edge constantly? Well, you're tired all the time. You're worn out, continually on the go. Your spouse says something to you, and you just go off. You just blow up at her. And she's like, whoa, whoa, big fella, right? I mean, who, who peed in your Wheaties, right? Somebody woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you know? But listen, the truth is, the truth is we just don't have the emotional bandwidth. We don't. Maybe for you it's physically. You don't sleep, you eat poorly, you don't exercise, and one day you sleep the wrong way and you're hurting for weeks, you know? 
and just sleeping, right? Like, what did you do, man? Did you run in the 5K yesterday? No, I just went to bed and just slept. That was it, right? And all of a sudden, we're hurting, you know? And you think, man, I used to bounce back so quickly. What's going on here? You have no margin physically. And by the way, uh, did you know that the leading cause of injury in old men is thinking that they are young men? Remember that during the turkey bowl, okay? Remember that. So I will help you. I've learned that the hard way. I even went to the eye doctor yesterday, speaking of getting old and injured, and, and he put me in bifocals, and Heather laughed. She thought that was the funniest thing ever, that I'm now in bifocals. Not yet. They're coming in a week. But I was sitting in our trainer that I couldn't see the screen. And I was like, what is going on here? And he said, I'm sorry, but age catches up with it. You're getting bifocals. <laughs> okay. She thought it was funny that I was in them, but not Tammy. I don't understand the difference. But what's it look like financially? Financially, no margin looks like no savings, no emergency fund, and then life happens, and guess what? You can't afford to fix the car. You can't afford to be generous with someone who's truly in need because you have no margin. And guys, we can even live on the edge spiritually, where we continually live for God's approval, trying to, to do all this stuff for God so that he will be pleased with us, and then one day we wake up from all that and think, man, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing all this? And you know, many people run from God because they don't want that kind of lifestyle because it's exhausting. And thank God, thank God that we don't have to do things to get him to love us. Did you know that he will never love you any more or any less than he does right now, right here at this very moment? That's eye-opening. There's nothing we can do to change that. And guys, that's a wonderful thing. And those of us who follow God, we're his kids, and he loves us just the way we are. But, but he refuses to leave us that way because he wants us to become more like Jesus. Many people without margin in their lives, they have kind of this knee-jerk reaction where they go to an extreme and, and they sell their stuff and move into a tiny house and, or move to the city or to the country or, or go to the beach or to the mountains. And, and they do everything they can to try to slow it down, but they can't because what they're really looking for is space, margin. You know, the best things in life require space. Our health, relationships, family, our finances, uh, security, art, Beauty, creativity, all that stuff requires space or margin. And listen, when we chase, we have no space. I know it sounds corny, but it's true. When we chase, we don't have any space. We all know what it's like to just live crazy, busy lives with no space, with no margin. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that there's good news. There's good news. There's a way that we can fix this without having to delete anything out of our calendars right now. There's something that you and I can do to build a foundation that will help us think differently. And please hear me. It's not a to-do. It's a to-think. To think differently. It's an attitude adjustment. And here it is. You ready? If I had to sum up today's talk in one word, here it is. Contentment. It's contentment. You've got to find a way to be content with where you are in life. You know, there was this guy who lived in the first century who grew up Jewish. 
and he chased perfection in the Jewish religion. He became a high-ranking official in the Jewish church, the synagogue, the temple, they called it back then. And he was a Pharisee, and he would chase after Christians to put them into prison because they didn't believe what he believed. His name was Saul. But then he had an experience where he saw the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it changed his life. And to be honest, it even changed his name to Paul. Then, after that experience, he begins chasing after Jesus, following him. And he spends his life running around the Mediterranean, planting churches, writing letters that we now have in our Bible, preaching sermons. And somewhere, later on in his life, he begins to settle down somewhat, and he begins to learn the secret of contentment. And he learns it in the strangest of places, in prison. In prison. It's crazy. He gets arrested for what he believed in and for what he was teaching. And he's in a prison cell toward the end of his life when he writes this letter. And here's what he says in Philippians 4.11, the second part. He says, for I have learned how to be what? Content. I've learned how to be content. This fast-paced life that I had been living, I've learned to calm down and to be content. He says he's learned this, telling us that this is a learned behavior. You know, none of us are born with the attitude of, I'm content all the time, are we? Right? Some of us now are calmer than others. I get that. But it's more difficult to be content because we're constantly bombarded with images telling us that we're not enough, that we don't have enough, and that we need more. And Paul says here that he's finally figured it out. He says that I've learned how to be content. Sandra Stanley puts it like this. She, she said, as we see God meet our needs, despite our fears of missing out or falling behind, we grow more confident that he can be trusted. Paul's saying that's what he's learned. In fact, he says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have, with whatever I have. The NIV says, whatever the circumstances, no matter what, I've learned to be content. And did I mention that he's writing this from prison? Most of us have this image of prison based on the movies that we've seen, or maybe some of you worked in law enforcement and seen them up close, or some of you may have spent some time in prison, but the prison that Paul's writing from is a horrific sight. There'd most likely be dirt floors, rodents running around everywhere. He may or may not get fed. He, he probably hadn't seen anybody, maybe even the light of day for a long period of time. And someone's given him a piece of paper and he's writing stuff down. It's not a pleasant sight. And in the middle of that environment, he says that he's found contentment there. And then he continues in verse 12. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing nor with everything. He said, I've been on both sides. I've been starving and I've been full. I've slept in palaces and I've slept in prisons. I've been busy around lots of people in the light of day and I've been bored alone in the dark of night. And guys, maybe for you, it sounds more like I've had seasons where I had a good paying job and I've had seasons where I couldn't even find a job. 
Or I've had moments where people spoke my name in a positive light, and I've had moments when my name was drugged through the mud. Paul's saying he's been through it all. And then he says in the second part of verse 12, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. What's the secret? What's the secret that he learned? Because Paul didn't belong in prison. I mean, don't fool yourself. He desperately wanted to be free. He, he, he wanted to be out there teaching people who Jesus was. And I'm sure he would feel just like you or I would feel if we were in his shoes, that his life was just wasting away in a prison cell. He didn't know at the time when he was writing this letter that we were still going to be talking about it 2,000 years later. He didn't have a clue that would happen. So what's the secret, Paul? Verse 13. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So whether we have a little or a lot, whether we, we feel like we're missing out or we have tons of followers, whether we feel like we're living up to our potential or that we're a complete failure, whatever the situation, we must learn to be content through Jesus who gives us strength. He's saying that the way we think about Jesus changes the way we think about our lives. And if we really know what Jesus thinks about us, suddenly this fear of missing out, it begins to go away and disappear. So the question is, what does Jesus think about you? What does Jesus think about you? Guys, can I just tell you that he's crazy about you? That he would rather die for you than to live without you for all of eternity? God wants you to be his kid, and he made a way for that to happen. Jesus wants to be your Lord and your Savior, your best friend. It's all motivated out of his love for you. And when you and I will begin to live out of his love, we will find contentment. And contentment stops the chase, and it creates the space, the margin that we've been talking about. That's what contentment does. It'll stop the chase and create some space. Listen, it doesn't mean that you have to stop being a top A personality or stop liking things to be structured or neat or organized and on time. That's the way I'm wired. It doesn't mean that we have to sacrifice our ambition and our drive. Paul is just saying that when we discover contentment, that we can be grateful whatever the circumstances are. Sound good so far? Here's the pushback. Here's the pushback. You and I are slowly, life is kind of slowly getting back to normal now with our jobs and, and kids and sports and church and all that. And it's going to get more normal as time goes on. And we're going to begin to think, if you haven't already, it's going to creep back into us. I've, I've got to keep up. I've got to keep up. But listen, the question is this. The question is, do I trust God? Do I, do I trust God to provide and give me what I need? I mean, listen, many of us are begging God for stuff, and he's saying that what we need is already right there in front of our eyes. He's already given us what matters. It's been there all along for the taking. We're just missing it. 
We're chasing everyone, everywhere, and everyone, and God is just saying, listen, I'm right here. I'm right here, and I am all you need. I'm all you need. Have you seen those memes on social media uh, called Why My Kid Is Crying? Have you seen those? Let me show you just a few I thought were funny. Uh, this first one here, reasons why my son is crying because he couldn't find the red balloon that he asked me to throw to him. So he's bawling because he just can't find where it's at, right? I thought that one was, was kind of funny. The second one's really funny. Look at this. Uh, she's mad because they wouldn't let her have the Dolly movie, okay? The Dolly movie. She's crying over that because of Chucky, you know? Parent would not let their kid have that movie, but she's tore up. And then the last one, because, <laughs> because T-Rex's jaw is not big enough to bite this Lego man's head off, okay? He's tore up about that. So um, we, we look at those and we laugh about them, you know, what kids cry about. But listen, from God's viewpoint, we're no different. From God's viewpoint, we're no different. We're so frustrated about not keeping up and making sure that everyone's happy with us when God says we're enough right now, just as we are. So I thought maybe this one word will help us get better at slowing our roll. Okay, so hopefully this one word will set some of you free today. Okay, and here it is. You ready? It's the word enough. Enough. I have enough. I am enough. This is enough. But, but what about tomorrow? I mean, what if I need more tomorrow? Okay, let's, let's tweak this just a tad. Ready? I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay, here we go. How about this? Enough for now. That work? Enough for now. I mean, who knows what tomorrow holds, but I have enough for now. Who knows where I'm going to end up, but I'm enough for today. For this situation, for this circumstance that I'm facing, I have enough for now. Look at Matthew 6, 31 through 34, where Matthew says, so, so don't worry about these things saying what we, we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. Or Jesus talking, he says, these things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. But listen, today's trouble is what? Enough. It's enough for today. Now think about that little phrase, I have enough for now. Guys, that could change every aspect of our lives and give us space. When it comes to our calendars and someone says, hey, you guys want to come over for dinner Saturday night? Instead of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we've got two dinners scheduled already, but we'll just move some stuff around, you know, and we'll go to yours as well. We'll split up and go to separate houses, and then I can FaceTime my parents to take care of the third one. And you know, Stop it. Come on, stop. No. Just say no. No. You remember Back to the Future, Marty Fly, tell Biff, the answer is no, you know, no, just say no. Where's that back to the future pig? I love it. It's not up there? Okay, I might not have gave him that one. But we're, yeah, the answer is no. Just say no. We're busy enough this week. And then we have all this social media busyness. Because Facebook ain't going to check itself. You know that, right? 
When someone says, hey, did, did you see that post that I shared? You got to go on there and, and read it and comment on it and get involved in that, in that discussion, you know? No, you don't. No, you don't. That, it, that's enough. I mean, social media is a neutral thing that can be used for good or bad, but for some of us, it consumes us. Now, we pick up our phones and, and we check Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat without even realizing it. We're sitting there on it like, I don't even remember clicking on this, right? It's just so ingrained. We're scrolling through thinking, look what they're doing. And them, and them, and them. I'm not enough. Listen to me. You're enough. You are enough, and that's enough for now. What about work? I mean, I could stay for another hour and skip dinner and be late to my kids' game. And if I work a little more, besides it's going to help us financially at Christmas time, and you know I'm doing it all for my family, enough. Enough. You've done enough for now. What about at home? I mean, we're just watching TV. I can get caught up on some work and, and get more work. You've done enough for now. Listen, when we begin to adjust our attitudes towards contentment, we stop having the fear of missing out. And all of a sudden, we don't feel like I have to chase anything anymore. How we think about all this is how we're going to act. So let's change the way that we think and create some margin in our lives. Contentment says, listen, I have enough in Jesus. I have enough. Listen, and I'll close in just a moment. If you're not content now, you won't be content later. When you get whatever it is that you've been chasing, there will always be something else to chase. If you're not happy with this, you're not going to be happy with that. If you're not content here, you're not going to be content there. Let's change the way we think to, in Jesus, I'm enough. I have enough for now. You know, guys, contentment doesn't always change our circumstances, but it does change us. Just like chasing doesn't always change our circumstances, but it definitely changes us, doesn't it? What if we let contentment be the thing that you and I chase after? Wouldn't that be a better way to go about this? So as we close, let me just ask you four application questions here. The first one is this. Just be honest. You know, you don't have to answer these out loud, but just think inside here. What consumes most of your time? What is it? What consumes most of your time? Think about that. The second one. What would you say that you're chasing in your life right now? Just be honest. What are you chasing? And the third one, what area do you struggle with in being content? What we talked about today. What area do you really just struggle with in being content? And then the last one, in what area are you choosing to say enough for now this week? Let's wrestle with these questions this week. Let's wrestle with them. Here's the prayer that I encourage all of us to pray this week. You ready? Real simple. God, through you, I have enough for today. 
It's not saying things like, I sure would like to get married someday and, and have a kid and have kids and, and a house. No, stop, stop. Let's just pray for today. God, through you, I have enough. Deal? Can we pray that this week? All right, let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would apply what we've heard today as Paul taught us that it's a learned behavior contentment is. Father, I pray for each person in this room that we would slow our roll, that we would just slow down, stop, and just focus on being content, that we truly are enough for now. And Father, that whatever we're going to need tomorrow, you'll take care of that tomorrow. But the question ultimately lies, do we trust you? And Father, we want to trust you. So I pray for this week that we would just pray. Just beg for you to help us in this area of our lives, God. And just realize that, that you're not just enough, but you're more than enough to meet our needs. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.